0: Well, happy Valentine's Day, Grace Point. Friends and family, thanks for joining us online today. Obviously, it wasn't planned this way, but it is what it is. And so we're just grateful that we can adapt and adjust to it. And uh, come together still online, so welcome online, everyone today uh, hey, happy valentine 's Day again, let me say that. Uh, I know that for some it comes to valentine 's day and they're they 're the unvalentine 's valentine 's day kind of people, and I understand it 's hard, but let me let me speak to those both of you, those of you who are celebrating valentine 's with somebody significant in your life, we want to give you. A dinner, a date, night, away, or at home, right now. And so here's what we're going to do. We want to know if you have a Valentine's, if you've been married to your Valentine's for however long. It doesn't matter how long, we're not measuring the length. But today is February the 14th, and I want to see whose anniversary is the closest to February 14th. If you were married on February the 14th, obviously you're the closest and you need to give us the exact time of your wedding. Okay, so we're going to try to get it right on on the dot. And if you were married on the 13th of, of February or on the 12th or, or maybe on the 28th of February or maybe you're a Christmas wedding like mine is... Go ahead right now in the comment section put in your wedding date. If you don't know it, confirm it with your spouse. And we may have to verify it off of a marriage certificate, so just be careful and be be truthful. So that's, that's what I want to do. We want to send you a DoorDash coupon that you can have a dinner for two, have it as romantic as you want it to be. Okay. So we'll do that in each one of our gatherings today. But let me talk to the UnValentine's folks. I realize that UnValentine's is a reality for some, but listen, we're going to help you have a dinner for two. Now you can eat both dinners if you want. You can invite a friend over, but we're going to give you a dinner for two. Now how are we going to do this? You need to put in the comment section unvalentine's okay, so that's what we'll know who you are, okay? and we're not trying to create a dating service here, but so this is just the unvalentine' statement. it's like right now I'm not celebrating valentine 's Day. I'm unvalentine's, and we're going to randomly pick somebody again in each of our gatherings to just send them a door dash so that they too can find some joy, find some food, enjoy that, maybe with a friend or or all to yourself, whatever you so choose. And so, hey, listen, Valentine's Day around our house and I've got all kinds of stories, 30 years of marriage of Valentine's for us. I will save a lot of those, but I will tell you this, Lori and I have gone on lots of dates. I like to be creative and, and do different different things. She does, she's incredible creative. But one of the things that I have never done is I've never taken Lori dancing. I'm just not a dancer, I told you a few weeks ago I was born with two left hands. Well, I was also born with two left feet. I cannot dance if you If she wants her toes stepped on and I'll go dancing with her. If she wants to get sick because I just literally spin in circles with her and she just gets dizzy, then she can go dancing with me. But she knows we've had dancing times at our kids' weddings. Yes, even some photos that you get to see of me breaking it out, getting jiggy with it, and all that kind of stuff. So we had fun with our kids at their wedding. We got one more wedding coming up in June. I might need to invest in some dance lessons. I don't know. But listen, we have fun with it. But dancing is a part of romancing. It's a part of Valentine's. But you got to choose your dance partner well. Lori does not want to dance with me. Let me tell you somebody else you don't want to dance with. You don't want to dance with the devil. Listen, we have been in a series of in the book of Genesis, and we have been working our way, and now we're a month and a half since the first of the year in the book of Genesis looking at the the origins of God's creation and how He put it all together in the beginning. And we're just now in chapter 3, verse 1 to 7. So here we are, a month and a half in, there's so much packed in the earlier chapters, earlier verses. Hopefully you've caught all those messages. If not, go back and re-listen to them. But what I want to talk to you today about is Legends of the Fall Part 2. We started Part 1 last week, but I almost called this message Dancing with the Devil. Because what we see in chapter 3, verse 1 to 7, is a little dance, a little tango, if you will. It takes two to tango. And we see this little tango going on between Satan, the devil, the adversary, the the uh, the accuser. He's a predator. We see Satan preying on a vulnerable victim in Eve. Now, we didn't deal with Eve last week. We only dealt with Satan last week. But I want to talk about the second vulnerable. I want to talk about the second person at the dance. And that's the vulnerable prey. The vulnerable prey is none other than Eve. Whenever you think about dancing with the devil, you don't want to dance with the devil because he is not somebody who is going to treat you well. In fact, the Bible makes it very clear in John chapter 10, verse 10, that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. It's no joke. When you dance with the devil, a life principles, we choose to dance with the devil. When we choose to dance with the devil, we choose to dance with death. Now, I'm not trying to make light of this because it's very serious. To dance with the devil is literally to dance our way into death. We have a story where Eve does just that. The crafty deceiver in Satan lures in the the vulnerable prey in Eve, and she is sucked in. Now here's a part of the image of God that we don't want to miss. When God made us, He made us with a free will. All through our life, we have a free will. God did not make us as robots to operate as robots. God does not force us to follow Him. He does not say, you can't follow me and you must follow me. He gives us the choice. Even in God's perfect world, when Adam and Eve were living in a world without sin, in the pre-fallen state, even in that perfect state of mind and being, God gave Adam and Eve a choice. He gave them a free will to choose whether or not they would listen and obey and follow and do as God instructed them to do, or would they dance with the devil and deal with the consequences? Next week, we're going to deal with the title of the message is Truth and Consequences of Dancing with the Devil. And so we're going to deal with that next week. But this week, let's just zero in on Eve. Let's see the vulnerability of who she is. And, and because we, we studied last week the, how Satan hacks our operating system, how he gets in in this subtle, deceptive kind of way, how he gets into our life. And this week we see the fall. We see where they fall. But listen, we can learn from mistakes. We can learn from the mistakes of Eve. We can learn from our parents' mistakes. My kids can learn from my mistakes. Let's get an education today. My father-in-law told me early on, and I've told many people this same statement. My, life's a great education if you can afford the tuition. And I think that's true. There's a lot of mistakes I've made, and I've learned from them. So we can learn from our mother, our father, Eve. We can learn from our father, Adam. Let's learn from them today about how not to dance with the devil. And so if you have your Bibles, if you don't, the words will appear on the screen, but I want to read back what we read last week, and that's Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 to 7. Now the serpent, who we know as Satan, was more crafty, deceptive, subtle than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, this is Satan speaking to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of the tree of the garden, of any of the trees of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Hang on to those words. We'll come back to those in a moment. But the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. Again, notice this interchange. Notice this conversation. Notice this negotiation that's going on here. For God knows that you will, that when you eat of this, your eyes will be open and you will know good and evil. Again, that's true. If you go back to last week's message somewhat, and it's also a lie, all tied up together. So the woman, now notice this, saw that the tree "...was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took its fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband, who was standing right there with her, who was with her, and he ate. And the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together, and they made themselves loincloths. We'll come back to the truth and consequences of what sin does in our life next week. And you can already see what happens in verse 7. Just the beginning of a glimpse of it. But let's answer the question today. How do I not dance with the devil? Here's, Here's number one move if you're going to move away from dancing with the devil, and that is negotiation stops now. Stop the negotiations. Do not negotiate with the devil. You go back to that p- passage. I pointed it out. He's more crafty. and He comes and, uh, uh, more crafty than any of the beasts of the field. And he starts questioning. He starts causing the doubt game to play in there. And then they denied. And then they destroyed the truth. He's just playing his crafty, shrewd, deceptive, negotiator kind of ways. And he attacks and he approaches this woman in a very subtle kind of way. And she was vulnerable. I have vulnerable moments. You have vulnerable moments. I'm most vulnerable. I make some of the worst decisions in my life in the night. Some people, it's in the day. It's in the middle of the day. He approaches her. He begins to analyze her weak spot. And he finds her weak spot, and then he exploits her weak spot instead of what she should have done is given him truth and walked away. Give Satan truth and walk away. Do not negotiate, but she negotiates with the devil. If you look at chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, is when God actually gives His command. When He said, The Lord God commanded the man, saying, You shall... You may surely eat of every tree in the garden, every tree in the garden. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat, you shall surely die. What God is doing is he's showing the bountifulness of his graciousness, his generosity to us. He says, I'm giving you every tree in this garden except for one. That is showing us that God puts limits on our life. Just like whenever He models for us, you work six days and you rest on the seventh, He is literally showing us that we have a life of limits. That we should live and embrace a life of limits. It's not work seven days because you have seven days. It's not eat every tree because there's every tree out there. It's not do everything you... We have to learn that a part of God's perfect rhythm is embracing our limits. And he put a limit on God. He put a limit, excuse me, on man and woman in the garden. He said, don't eat of that one tree. Everything else, it's free game. Eat it. But notice what the woman does. The woman doesn't remember chapter 2 exactly. She gets it in the ballpark, but she doesn't know God's word. And because she doesn't know what God said, memorize what God said, hang, hang on to every word that God said, she is going to turn into negotiation. And Satan knows that she doesn't know the truth. So he exposes that. This is what the woman said in chapter three verse two. notice the differences on the screen the woman said to the serpent, "We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden." she didn't point out that every tree that they could eat of just the trees in the garden but God said, "You shall eat of the fruit uh, you shall not eat of the tr- fruit of the tree in the midst of the garden neither shall you touch it don't even touch it God didn't say that, lest you die. God said more than that. So I want you to notice that Satan exploits her, sees her vulnerability, knows that she is not hanging on to the truth of God, and does this, she has minimized the provision of God. Whenever she doesn't point out that God has given us every tree, just the trees. And also, she actually added to God's prohibition. That's legalism. She said, don't even touch it. Well, God didn't say don't touch it. Okay? Notice how legalism is just as wrong as, as actually minimizing. But then the last thing that she did is she weakened the penalty. We shall surely die. Then God made it very clear. You will die today. This day. I just want to point out that she was exposed of her weakness because she negotiated with the devil. She should have given the devil the truth of God's word, walked away, and had no more of the conversation. It's exactly what Jesus did after 40 days of being in the wilderness, starving and hungering pains. And I'm sure he had a, a weak, weak mind at the moment and the lack of low blood sugar or whatever was going on in his body as he's adjusting. But you also notice this. Three temptations that Satan gives to Jesus. Physical hunger, the pride of self-promotion, Finally, he wanted to offer him all the material possessions of all the world. And three different times, he quotes directly from Deuteronomy chapter eight, Deuteronomy chapter six, two different times, verse 16 and verse 13. He quotes the scriptures to Satan and walks away. And the Bible even goes on to say that Satan leaves him. He walks away. There is no negotiation. It must stop now. This is what Derek Prince said. He said, don't ever think that you are clever enough to argue with the devil. He is much more clever than you. He has been at this business a long, long time. Don't try to convince him with your arguments. Instead, meet him with scripture, exactly what Jesus did. She kind of got around the scriptures, but she did not give the scriptures to him. The scriptures is authority. Accept it and live by it. Shut Satan down. Do not negotiate with him. That's the first thing. The second way is manage your passions. Manage your passions. When you look at this passage of scripture, you see Satan as the preeminent salesman. He is selling his goods. He is, def- he's deflating the truth in her head. He is pushing the goods on her. He is a, he is a consummate salesman. There are three most important words in sales. A, B, C, always be selling. That's exactly what he does to her. And what does she do? She turns and she looks. She's walked by this tree maybe a thousand times, but now she's seeing that tree differently that tree of the knowledge of good and evil that Jesus said, don't eat of that tree, all the other trees you could eat from, all of a sudden now she's zeroing in on it. She saw it. She delights in it. She desires it. Her emotions start building inside of her. You could almost, if you listen real carefully, you could almost hear the dopamine drip in her brain. Oh, it looks good. Oh, I like it. Oh, I want it. Oh, I'm going to take it. You see the progression just as Satan progresses and turns up the heat. He is selling. He's selling. She's getting in, leaning in, leaning in further and further. Notice this. When you look at verse, uh, chapter three, verse six, the fall, you'll also see right before, I want to show you another verse right before that is first John chapter two, verse 16. It actually gives us the template for the three main areas that we fall in sin. It says, for All that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. That's what trips up 99.9% of the people. The desires of the flesh, desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. Now, if you take those two verses and you overlay them with what happens with with Eve, you see the same thing. Verse 6, so when the woman saw... That the tree was good for food. That it was delight to the eyes. That the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took the fruit and she ate it and gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Her passions are growing. She's longing, she's looking, she's wanting, she can't get enough. And all three of these sins come into play in her life. Now notice this, hang with me on this. This is incredibly important because we're either going to live by passion or we're going to live by principle. She went from living by principle, God's truth, God's word, to living by her passions. We cannot choose passions. Three passions, that buttons that Satan's going to push. One is possessions. Desires of the flesh. Notice she saw the tree and it was good for food. Listen, we have a lot of desires that God gives us. Desires for possessions, desires for connection with our spouse intimately. That's good, but whenever that good becomes connections with other people, Food is good and awesome, but when food becomes our love, even Philippians talks about the God was their belly, their belly was their God. See what happens with the good things of life is that sin is when we use illegitimate means to meet a legitimate need. Illegitimate means to meet a legitimate need. She saw the tree was good for food. She quit seeing all the other trees in the garden, and now she's only seeing this one tree. Notice she wanted what she didn't have. She forgot to see and appreciate what she already had. Don't miss that. She had every tree in the garden she could eat from, but she wanted what she didn't have. She wanted possessions of what she did not have. When we focus on what we don't have, We fail to appreciate what we do have. Pleasures. Desires for the eyes. Notice this. There was delight in the eyes. She had desires for it. She wanted it. First Peter talks about Second Peter talks about, he warns against the eyes. He said this, the eyes are full of adultery, insatiable of sin, and entice the unsteady souls. Listen, before anybody ever crawls in the bed with somebody else, It's because their eyes were full of that other person. And their heart went there before their body went there. And that's why Job made the covenant with his eyes. He said, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. See, whenever the pleasures of life, again, they become our passion and not living by principle, we will fall. Pride of life. You see the pride of life. She wanted to... Make me wise. I want to be wiser. Nothing wrong with being wise. But any wisdom, education, philosophy, anything outside of God is not a healthy. God wants to give us wisdom. It talks about that in James chapter one, verse five. He will give it freely to us. Instead of looking to God, her creator, to give her wisdom, she looked at Satan's temptation and said, I'll take that. She turned away from God's best to take the worst. We have to be careful. Sin is when we use illegitimate means to meet meet a legitimate need. Be careful that your legitimate need is met by God's plan, God's design for our life. The scriptures speak all up and down about how wisdom is good. Wisdom is desired. Wisdom is to be feared. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But she did not seek wisdom from God. She sought wisdom from another source. Let's talk about number three. First of all, we've, we've gotta, we gotta, we gotta realize that in this world, we're gonna be tempted and we've gotta, manage our passions, but we've also got to stop negotiating with the devil. Okay, walk away, walk away, walk away, which then leads to number three, resist, resist, resist. Can I say it enough? Resist, resist, resist. What she does next is she saw it, she desired it, and then she took it. And she ate it. Listen, long before our actions trip us up, our thoughts tempt us. We have to be very careful. And make sure we stop the battle, not at the physical encounter with whatever it is, the possessions, the pleasures, the pride. We stop it. The battle is won between the ears. The battle is won at the heart level. Stop it at the thought level as soon as it comes in, as soon as your eyes begin to wander, as soon as your heart begins to stray, bring it back Take it captive. It's exactly what Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 10, chapter, uh, chapter 10, verse five. He says, destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts, even capture the thoughts of our lives and teach them to obey Christ. Resist, resist, resist. How do you resist? It's really hard. It's not just mind over matter. It's a spiritual journey. It's me realizing that God has a better plan. God wants to give me wisdom. God wants to give me pleasure. God wants to fulfill my desires. He gave me everything to enjoy. He wants that. But what happens is we buy the bill of goods from Satan and we deal with the consequences. James chapter 4, verse 7 and 8 says, Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. So let me reverse that order. You want God, you want the devil to flee from your life, from the temptations of your life? He'll come back. He came back to Jesus, he'll come back to you. You know what? You got to resist the devil. But how do you do that? You are not going to do it in your own flesh and will. You're going to do that because you first submit to the devil. To submit to God. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Number four. And again, this is just helping us to dance—not dance with the devil. We got to stop the negotiating with the devil. We got to control our passions. We've got to resist, resist, resist. But number four, we got to beware of complicit companions. Now, this is not something that you're going to see. It's going to just—it's going to you know, be in there for just a short second. But you—we got to remember that to ignore evil, as Martin Luther King said, to ignore evil is to become an accomplice to it. I don't care where it is in the world, in the church, in the society, in the government. If we ignore evil, we become an accomplice to it. What happens in the story, and again, you might miss it if you're just reading through it, but at the end of verse 6, we see this incredible event that happens. Not only does Eve see, desire, and take the fruit, and does she eat the fruit, but then she turns around and gives it to her husband who's standing right there. Let me remind you, Back in the beginning, when God made Adam, Adam, He says it's not good for Adam to be alone. He needs a helper. He gives her Eve. Well, you know what? This is a moment in time when Eve needed her husband to stand up and to help her fight the temptation. And he's right there watching it all happen like a passive man. He needs to lead. He needs to stand up and to protect and to guard against the temptations. We have roles in this relationship. God made us for community. And the value of the celebrate on Valentine's Day here is that the, if you're in a relationship that's meaningful and valuable, hopefully as a husband and wife, you're pulling and pushing each other closer and deeper into a relationship with God. Again, next week, we're going to double the truth and consequences of this. Missed action. She took the fruit and she ate and she gave some to her husband. Listen, one of the darkest seasons in my life Whenever I had a counselor ask me, Mike, who's your one another brothers, who walks with you, Mike, that you share your your failures with, that you confess your sins one to another, you pray for one another, and you love one another, and you forgive one. And the fifty-eight one another's in the scripture, and I had to say I didn't have anybody. I wasn't being that with Lori, and Lori wasn't necessarily. I wouldn't let her be that with me. Listen, this is a this is a. Critical moment in their marriage. It's a critical moment in life. We don't need complicit, passive relationships. We need people who help us out. Eve was in the sin of commission. She did the wrong thing. She took the fruit. She was deceived. In First Timothy chapter two, it says, "And Adam was formed first from Eve, and Adam did not, was not deceived. The woman was deceived and became." a transgressor. So the woman commits this sin of disobedience. But let me point out that Adam's sin was omission. He didn't do what he should have done. She did what she shouldn't have done. He didn't do what he should have done. He should have refused. He should have helped her out. He should have quoted the scriptures. He should have stood by his wife and stood with his wife. For uh, for whoever knows the right thing to do, Adam knew the right thing to do, and fails to do it for him and his sin. I believe she commits the sin of commission. He commits the sin of omission before he ever ate the fruit. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 and 2 says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in transgressions, you who are spiritual should restore him. In a spirit of gentleness, keep watch over yourselves, lest you be tempted. Bear one another's burdens. And so fulfill the law of God. Listen, we weren't made to do this alone. Why we talk about groups and you need to be in a group. Why we talk about the value of marriage and why we want to pour so much of our time and attention in creating healthy marriages at Grace Point. It's because we realize we can't do it alone. We need one another. Otherwise, we will be dancing with the devil. But God gives us choices. He doesn't force it on us. You think about this. In a perfect world, in a perfect garden, in a perfect place, with perfect people and a perfect God, in a perfect everything, he gave Adam and Eve a choice. We have choices that we make, and those choices we live and we die by those choices. Um, when you think about even Joshua, Joshua was a person who had a time in, in, in the nation of Israel where they, they were deciding are they gonna go back and serve the other gods they had served beyond the rivers? And Joshua said this. He said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He made good decisions, choices, He chose to follow the Lord. There's a time whenever a rich young man was very wealthy, very successful, had a lot of things in his, his advantage, and God invites him to come and follow him. And this man chose to follow his wealth versus follow Jesus. God gives us choices. He doesn't force us to follow him. He doesn't force us to obey him. It's a choice that we take. Judas didn't, didn't have to deny, but he chose to deny. The Lord, listen, you're faced with choices, I'm faced with choices every day. And one of those choices that we're faced with every day, probably every moment of the day, is will we choose? Will we choose to dance with the devil or will we choose to live a life of principle and to walk with God? Let me pray. Father God, would you help us to clearly hear your voice right now. And if there's anybody watching this and they are dancing with the devil, dance, dancing on, the, on, the, uh, on an edge, dancing on glass, dancing in brokenness, dancing in, in, in an unhealthy way with life and possessions and pride and excess, Lord, would you, would you just help them right now to see where they're at and cause them to want to follow You, Lord, want to walk with You. Help us, Lord, to realize that You have given us legitimate needs, but we are not to meet them with illegitimate means. You have Your provision for us. May we choose You, Jesus. Thank You for these moments in Your Word. Seal them in our heart. Don't let Satan... Steal them from us. But God, may we stand up and quote the scriptures and walk away and negotiate no longer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.